Hey you, it's me. I believe my original vision was not to have my typical introduction and transitions that I normally do for these longer reviews in this episode. So I'm trying to stick to that. We'll see. Here I am on the late evening of May 31st, about to record most of the audio for this. I still don't know what order I'm going to put everything in. First, let's go back almost three months to March 15th when I actually recorded six minutes of audio for this already. I'm not going to try to recreate that recording. It was, and I'm quoting myself, recorded live. And I did that to go through what the Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores were because I was at a standstill with my script where I needed to be able to search for things on the internet related to the movie without... Whatever. That's how it worked. So it's almost impossible to do that without catching sneak peeks of those websites, scores, or ratings. So instead, I'm just going to lift those guesses without any context like I normally give. Also, of note, I hadn't finished with my technical ratings, which is really hard now to go back and do without having seen this movie in so long. So I'll be staying up late after recording to rewatch that. (laughs) When you combine that fact with the fact that I approached the entire process of writing this review and just how I was going to format it totally differently than really anything else that I've done, it's making everything a bit complex to me to hop right back into. All right, well, let's look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores and the INDB score. For Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score, I had guessed an 87%, and it is actually only at a 61% right now. Obviously, I was shocked at that one. For the Rotten Tomatoes critic score, I guessed an 83%. There, I was kind of close. It's a 79%. Uh, it's the official score on Rotten Tomatoes. And then for IMDb, I started out with a 7.9. I quickly changed it to an 8.3. I was high no matter what. Um, well, maybe I was high. I don't know. It's 6.8 out of 10 is the official IMDb score. I wasn't high, Mom. In fact... He was. Before we get any further, I would like to address something out of the norm for my reviews, a little bit of drama, and that would be some allegations from a couple of organizations, actually. So I'm going to read the Wikipedia description on that drama, and then I have some additional context to add. Essentially, this is a trigger warning. On January 19th of 2012, British Columbia's The Province featured an article about the movie's crew buying four wolf carcasses, two for props for the film, and two wolves for the cast to eat. This angered environmentalists and animal activists, irate, because the film depicts wolves in a negative light, specifically at a time gray wolves are not on any Endangered Species Act in many Western American states. In response to the portrayal of wolves in the film, I read that previous sentence correctly, I promise you. So in response, groups including PETA and Wild Earth Guardians started driving the boycott to boycott the film. Open Road responded by placing a fact sheet about the gray wolf on the film's official website while the Sierra Club cooperated. Carnahan downplays the natural depictions of violence portrayed in the film and instead highlights the significance of humanity's internal spiritual struggles. So here's my additional context for everything. The major issue that doesn't appear in this article is that environmentalists felt that this movie would encourage folks to shoot wolves on sight because of the way they were depicted in this film. And since 
very recently, prior to this movie being released, gray wolves had been taken off of the extinction list. Due to that fact, there may have been some extra sensitivity surrounding the issue. No matter your views on an organization like PETA, negative for a lot, that doesn't mean that they never have a valid point or a valid cause. The fact of the matter is, regardless if a film is fiction or nonfiction, movies can have an impact on society and culture. For example, the movie Jaws led to incredibly low levels of beach attendance across the country for several years. That's an entire industry that took a big blow due to a fictional movie with fictional shark behaviors. That's not all, though. After the release, fishing for sharks and killing them became much more popular. Tournaments were set up. Some beach communities even encouraged fishermen to kill all of the sharks in their vicinity so beachgoers could feel more comfortable because, as we just talked about, tourism to beach towns was suffering. Shark populations have suffered still to this day since the 70s. Is the movie Jaws to blame for all of that? Of course not. But it was a spark. There are more examples, but I think you get the point. Another thing that Wikipedia missed, or they at least just kind of brushed over right towards the end there, is that in regards to the four carcasses that the crew purchased, not only is that strongly refuted, but I think we could probably use a little common sense, and this doesn't mean this is for sure the case, but why on earth would an industry that, you know, fakes things as well as any magician does use wolf meat for their cast in a scene instead of something like what they claim they used? Mutton. Do you really think that the cast members would be cool with cooking up some random wolf meat they purchased from a local hunter? My guess is the guys who picked up the carcasses made a few jokes that they were going to be using a couple of the carcasses to eat on set and then that guy that they sold them to for whatever reason. Maybe he missed the joke. Maybe he wanted his 15 minutes of fame. But he decided to share that information with some journalists as fact. Furthermore, if they did put the wolf meat to use, they weren't the ones who killed the wolves in the first place. What would be wrong with using that meat instead of letting it rot, going to no good use, I guess, beyond just being some dead carcasses in the movie? I'm happy to listen if someone wants to enlighten me on things, but for now, let's move on because I, I did my research. That's what I've come up with. Hopefully, you know, everyone was happy in the end with the corrections that were made in order to let the public know that don't go shooting wolves just because. In this case, I purchased the DVD, so I do did have access to the commentary track for this movie, which I will be using some clips from. The commentary track includes the director and co-writer, Joe Carnahan, and then editors Roger Barton and Jason Hellman as well. Before I talk about the movie, let's get to know the basics. The movie has a runtime of 1 hour and 57 minutes. It is rated R and it is considered an action-adventure drama. The synopsis of the movie goes something like this. A group of oil workers, including a sniper played by Liam Neeson, whose job it is to protect them, the oil workers, from the wild animals of Alaska. They are all on a flight back to the big city when their plane crashes. Stranded a small group of survivors in the middle of bum-crack nowhere and possibly right in the middle of a wolf's den. They have to fight the elements, their own injuries, themselves, and the wolves in an all-out melee for their lives in order to reach civilization. 
Let's move into some of my personal thoughts and rankings as well as some random thoughts that I will be sharing now because that is how I once upon a time decided to present the material and I haven't changed that. First of all, I do not recommend watching the trailer prior to watching the movie. It would spoil many of the great scenes in the movie, so shame on you, marketing. I love the fact that this movie is shot on location, or at least parts of it are. I was truly surprised at how much of the movie was not shot on location. Dear director, just how cold was it while you were filming in British Columbia? Now, is this the moment in the movie when it's, uh, I mean, isn't it just fucking, like, oh, it was ridiculous. If you see, zero, I mean, you see Liam's face, how red that is, and there's no makeup on him. That's, that, that's, we were probably in, that was probably minus 20. And I remember when we first went out there and they kept saying, you can't put Liam in the snow, we can't put him in the snow. And he went in that snow and, and uh, Noriko and I, Noriko Watanabe, who's his uh, makeup person, I love Noriko to death because she just realized that we got to like, we got to torture these guys to really get them to, and she was taking handfuls of snow and throwing it in Liam's face. And it's the only time I've ever seen Liam go, yeah, bitch. And he's just, he's just, yeah, it's like the only time he ever like, he was outwardly angry, but look at him. I mean, he just, you can't fake that. There was absolute desolation 360. Um, and he went for it. He, he didn't squawk, and my God, it was cold. This movie is more terrifying than 95% of horror movies. The wolves are better and more menacing villains than most. There are several shots throughout the film that are masterfully creepy and unsettling. There is more CGI than I would have guessed in this movie. I, that means that I thought it was really well done, and 10 years later, almost all of it still looks pretty darn great. I don't jump easily in movies, and this movie got me twice. One of the times it probably shouldn't have, but that's just a testament to how well they built this movie. I do have a few more thoughts that I have yet to get to, but I think this is a good spot for me to give my rating slash recommendation level for The Grey. I will start off with recommending this to anyone and everyone who can watch R-rated films. I am of the belief even after seeing the online results, that this movie could be enjoyed by all audiences. I think it's a movie that you can take away from it as much as you want to. Do you want a strict action film? A popcorn thriller? This movie is that, if that's all that you want. Granted, well, listen on. I'm going to skip the positive internet reviews today, but what I am going to do is pull some from the New York Times review, which was written by A.O. Scott who gave this movie a 90 out of 100 on Metacritic, where I think A.O. says what I just said, but even better. After talking about Liam for a little bit and bringing up his role in the movies, Taken and Unknown, which A.O. describes as fast-moving, super-twisty, cosmopolitan, thriller-mode type movies, A.O. said that The Grey is something else entirely. A stripped-down, elemental tale of survival in brutal circumstances. As blunt and effective, and also, at times, as lyrical as a tale by Jack London or Ernest Hemingway. It's a fine, tough little movie, technically assured and brutally efficient, with a simple story that ventures into some profound existential territory without making a big fuss about it. There. We arrived to what I really wanted to point out. There is this profound existential story, but the movie doesn't fuss about it one bit. It's up to you, the viewer, to take those things from this movie if you wish. Otherwise, like A.O. said, it's a stripped-down action movie. 
stripped down because basically the survivors really are only at three different locations after the opening to the movie. The scenes, they take their time, they build up to the action, and even the action pieces are rather few and far between, at least for a popcorn flick. And I feel like this was a very special movie that appeals to a wide spectrum of people. Right. And you don't need to reduce it to, you know, an action piece. No, I don't Because think that's no, not absolutely. fundamentally what this movie is. No, you're right. No, I think, I think, I just think it was, listen, it's, it's an R-rated kind of hard-edged, you know, survival film. And I don't know that it necessarily lends itself to a four-quadrant experience at the, mm -hmm. at the cinema. But I'm extremely happy with, you know, I think for me, it just, it comes down to, it's, it's an amazing story. It's a story. Right. It's a beautiful story. And I think people are kind of hungry for that these days. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I absolutely love the dynamic between the group and the wolves, which is a part of the heart of this film, action-wise and in a deeper sense. Once again, you can take from it what you want. A.O. goes on to say that The characters' personalities emerge through action and interaction. This is definitely true, but it's also a part of my criticism of the film. You should be hearing some more thoughts about character in this movie throughout. To be honest, my thoughts have been quite mixed, so you may hear some things come out of my mouth that sound contradicting in regards to the characters in this film. I guess I can add to this. My ultimate thought on everyone but Liam is that although they did do a nice job of creating interesting one-dimensional characters, in the end, that's all these other guys feel like. Archetypes. Not fully fleshed out characters. As a quick side note, I would imagine this is the reasoning behind why so many people, particularly women, in the director's experience at least, have the theory that Liam was the sole survivor and the other men represent parts of his personality. The last thing that I wanted to talk about in unison with Mr. A.O. Scott is how this movie treats death. And I'll remind you right now about my thoughts on how terrifying this movie is compared to most horror movies. There, I reminded you. A.O. said, Action movies often turn death into sport. Numbing pain, fear, and desolation with the visceral rush of violence. The Grey, meticulous in his choreography of fight and flight, and questionable in his depiction of wolf behavior, is notable for the thoughtfulness and sensitivity with which it addresses the thorny ethical and metaphysical matters of mortality. It takes death seriously and partly as a consequence, every moment, every frame, feels alive. I'll be talking more on some of this later, but yes, exactly. This movie takes death seriously, and that is a big part of what makes it so great and beautiful. In somewhat of a conclusion, in conclusion for now, as plenty more thoughts will come out in my analysis, I think this movie is not perfect. I felt it was a bit too Hollywood, mostly with how it treats reality. The story does have some flaws, but I'm glad I finally watched it. Thanks for the suggestion, Cuzzo. <laughs> oh my god. That's so corny. And I think that this movie is borderline great, and it's on the side of great, but just barely. 
I'm going to give it a 4.4 out of 5 stars. It's a truly entertaining ride, even if it took over half of the film for me to realize what the real story being told was, and truthfully, the entire movie to actually truly get it. It's an absolutely beautiful story, and I don't know what I learned from it, but it was poetic and horrifying. Strong recommend. What do you say we get to some online reviews? Specifically, I would like to look at the audience reviews. For timing reasons, I'll skip over the critics. Myself and AO are your critics today. Right off the bat, the second review I came across is from user Lonic V, who gave it one and a half stars and said, Two hours of my life I won't get back. Liam Neeson's acting was good. Some funny jokes. But this is all that this movie has to offer. The script was decent as well, but the storyline... My god. Needless to say, whoever wrote this should really be left stranded in Alaska. At least 100 uses of the F word that weren't really necessary, and over time, were kind of distracting. I still don't know what the point of this movie was, and I don't know where the writers of this movie got their information about wolves and Alaska, but based on this movie, it was mostly inaccurate. I think I only make one mention of any of the jokes in this movie, and I don't really think what he said about them is true. What they have in the movie is humorous, and it's there for levity reasons. And I think that they did a nice job with that in this movie. I don't think the storyline deserves that much hate, but it is definitely something I will criticize as well. But I chose this review for the last sentence. I don't know where the writers of this movie got their information about wolves in Alaska. Movie creators. This is why I personally would have started this movie off with a quick disclaimer stating something like, This movie is fictional and so is the depiction of wolf behavior. Simple, and it would help to prevent that from distracting people from the film, because I too wrote a note, which you will hear during my walkthrough of the movie, where I brought up my issues with the wolf behavior. In case I forgot to mention it then... That is also about the moment where the movie began to click for me and I realized it wasn't a simple surviving nature movie. I do understand why no disclaimer was originally added to the movie. Movies are made for entertainment and things are embellished and not real world like all of the time. But there is something about the presentation of this movie where you expect scientifically accurate behavior as you get into it. Next up, let's take a quick peek at a more neutral opinion of the film from Akshat M, who gave it two and a half stars and said, For me, the film was predictable. Wolves are there, and everyone will die one by one, and no help will be there. It was just like other survival movies, nothing fresh. I disagree with his overall analysis, but yes, it is predictable in that sense. I think this also goes into some of what I just touched on about the presentation of this movie, since you can take from it what you want, because it isn't in your face about the bigger story that is being told. That can all be missed by the viewer, and then it is a simple survival movie, and I personally still enjoyed that part of the movie, obviously, but I could understand why not all action fans would be crazy about this movie. I talk about that, I've talked about it a little bit already. The last one I have is a nicely done three and a half star review from Brian S. He said, On the exterior, it may look like your average gritty survival movie, 
but make no mistake, this movie actually amazed me a bit. It's a good exercise in existential dread and has some very interesting and provoking philosophical echoes on faith and hope. It's not based on any particular events, but for some reason, it just feels so true. The camera work is well done and realistic. It's harsh, brutal, suspenseful, and absolutely nightmarish. The scene with the canyon crossing just killed me with suspense, and it features a memorable lead act by Liam Neeson, as well as beautiful landscapes. Overall, The Grey is an indeed disturbing movie. Recommended! Two exclamation points. Gotta go hard. I did read through the negative critics' reviews out of curiosity, and it seems that the biggest reason for negative reviews is that they didn't come away from the movie with much more than the simple action movie aspect. I'm just going to hop into my favorite scene of this whole movie, and I'm actually going with my favorite moment, which is one that would have been ruined by the trailer, and that is a moment on the plane in the moments leading right up to the crash. The camera panning back down the airplane aisle. I just about had an orgasm during this scene. It is incredibly creepy, just like my... And wonderfully done. I'm avoiding any more details for anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet, but you should know exactly what I'm referring to if you've seen the movie. Let's do some interesting facts, y'all. For your information, the top fact on IMDb is not entirely correct, and I apologize if I ever include facts about movies that are incorrect. It'll happen, I'm sure. In his glowing review of this film, Roger Ebert stated that in his long career, this was the only time that he actually walked out of his next scheduled screening because it affected him so. After The Grey, 2011, was over, I watched the second film for 30 minutes and then got up and walked out of the theater. It was the first time I've ever walked out of a film because of the previous film. The way I was feeling in my gut, it just wouldn't have been fair to the next film. I feel that. I've had a hell of a time trying to create my review for this movie, and that's not just because it's been three months since I started it. It's been a hell of a time from the beginning, and it's not a bad thing. All right. I'm going to include this here because it actually explains how wild wolves behave in regards to the alpha male thing that so many people still believe. It's my personal mission to (laughs) get this information out there, I think. I will talk about this in my review, but here's the explanation for anyone who likes to understand the world around them better. Here I go. One of the characters mentions that the alpha male challenges another wolf for dominance. The theory of the alpha male has been a proven myth. That is, in nature. Although still prevalent as being fact. Animal behaviorist Schenkel, sorry, it's German, so it's probably Such a pathetic attempt that I had to laugh myself off of stage. I'm not going to retry pronouncing his name, but Schenkel studied two packs of wolves living in captivity, and he came up with the alpha male theory without studying wild wolves. His studies remained the primary resource on wolf behavior for decades. More extensive studies have found that wild wolves live in families, two parents along with their younger cubs. Wolves do not have an innate sense of rank. They are not born leaders or born followers. 
No wolf has, one, a role as leader of the pack. Instead, the parents assert dominance over the offspring by virtue of being the parents. Furthermore, the same scientist who originally made the claim of the alpha male, Schenkel, came to realize his error and published his new findings on wild wolf behavior as a rebuttal to try to re-educate the public. However, it was just too late. Alpha male was already a, a thing. Technically, that is it for interesting facts. There is so much that I have written about this movie and so many thoughts that were going through my head over the following days that, as I've talked about, it was really hard for me to figure out a solid structure for this episode and when and where I wanted to say certain things. So following is a note that I wrote directly after watching the movie for the first time that I watched it. The Grey is a bit too Hollywood for my preferences for this story. Don't get your life understanding from Hollywood, folks, especially when it comes to science stuff. I don't want to sit and harp on this, and I realize I have other commentary along the same lines, but just remember, this movie is a movie, and the depiction of the wolves in it is not accurate, and how these events would unfold in the real world is not accurate. That said, the movie does explain the wolves' behaviors within the story, so I am okay with that. I do wish, for the naive, uneducated, and stupid, that there was a disclaimer at the front of or the back of the movie, but that is their call, and I'm fine that they didn't do that. Very few movies actually resemble the real world thoroughly. It's a film, it's entertainment, and it's not their job to have to remind us of that fact. Personally, I would have put some sort of disclaimer. The thing for me is that it's a little easier to be okay with like straight up false real world narratives when the movie is clearly set in a movie universe. However, The Grey feels like it is based on a true event. We're gonna get technical technical. I don't know how I'm going to transition into this. I don't even know where I'm going to put this yet. So let's talk about my technical ratings of the movie. I'm going to give this movie a 0.1 editing bump to the overall score. I'd like to give the editing a larger bump because they did a lot to take this movie and condense it down really well. However, there are also a lot of abrupt changes in tone and simply from one scene to the next that don't always work. This is my small token of acknowledgement to the editors on this project. Let's begin with acting. There are no bad performances. I also don't know that too much is asked of most of the actors. I think a good portion of the acting is more like reacting to the elements. It's not that hard to act like you're freezing cold and miserable when you are, literally, freezing cold and miserable. And I'd argue that while watching the director commentary, I noticed the crew definitely looked more comfortable for many of the scenes that they were that were shot on a set, which the director kindly pointed out quite often for us. Props to the stunt work on this movie, and all in all, it was better than competent acting, and Liam Neeson definitely did a very nice job with his role. He gave his character enough depth that it needed. The emotional stuff could have gone one step further, but it worked for me. So 6.66 out of 10, I'm not trying to evoke the devil with this score. I just figure that it's kind of right on that line where it belongs in the top one-third of movies, and Liam's performance really helps to push it into that category. 
onto cinematography. What I found different is that they used a lot of up close and tight shots, which is odd to me for two reasons. And yet it also makes sense. Odd because A, usually a movie like this would want to show off the beautiful scenery more than this movie does, and B, usually when depicting wide open spaces and isolation like this movie does, you see a lot more shots from afar and an implementation of wide angle shots because those two things are great ways to depict isolation, you know, being lost and being in despair. And those might be slight critiques, but they're overmatched by why I think the uptight and close shots work for the movie. It's fairly simple, really. Although lost in this big, wide open space, they are feeling incredibly isolated and closed in due to the impending doom of the wolves, the weather, and what is coined as mortality salience which is the realization or awareness by an individual that their death is inevitable. Things are closing in on them, and that causes a certain existential anxiety that we see all of these men have to face in one form or another throughout the movie. On a less artistic level and more technical level, a lot of this movie was shot on a set. Uptight and close shots make sense, and um, like when you're shooting on a set, they make sense, since creating a whole world can be tough, and often the set becomes obvious once it's on film. So maybe they wanted to keep the camera style consistent, thus they resisted going too gung-ho while they were filming on location. I liked a lot of what they did with the camera work on this movie. Um, with the little amount of dialogue, it is right there pushing the narrative forward for the viewer. So 8 out of 10. Production design. A positive that I haven't mentioned is their gear and their outfits, etc. It all looks legit and it fits this group of guys. Uh, the only issue would be maybe they don't quite look like they're used enough. That would probably be my only criticism as far as all of the guys' looks. The biggest issue is a lack of consistency with the weather. The most extreme example and obviously Hollywood thing in regards to this issue is how cold like the water should be during River Roy's death and then immediately following that for Liam. The kill scenes and wounds get a bit butchered in editing and I have a belief that that is probably due to a lack of having a top-notch makeup and special effects artist in the crew. Definitely not bottom-notch but speculation. So you take the good, you take the bad, and now you have the facts of life. A 7.5 out of 10. I couldn't make that work. All right, sound design. I liked that artistic choice to make these wolves as menacing and intimidating of a foe as they could possibly be. Much of that was accomplished through the sound design for the wolves. The sound effects are amazing. Um, they didn't miss a single step that the folks made in the snow, whether it be on camera or not. And that should give you an idea of the detail that they went through to give everything in this movie sound. They did exaggerate uh, for the effects at times, but it worked so well. On top of both of those factors, they also had incredibly quality sound effects, and you can tell that they put a lot of time and effort and thought into what specific sound effects that they were going to be using. There's a death scene immediately after the plane crash, and the guys talk about how they created this scene, including a lot about the sound design. It is a lengthy conversation. Dale, there's just something... Uh, I've not seen this. I'd, you know, I'd said this before. You, you see people killed in a film. You rarely see people die. And I thought that it was important that you watch this man expire. 
And, and, you know, we, we all kind of very early on knew that like, there should really be no extraneous sound. There shouldn't be any music. There shouldn't be anything, anything that would let the audience off the hook and we kind had, of tell yeah. them how to feel. We had experimented with, um, just very simple, uh, pieces of music, like simple string right. sustains, which, which had such a opposite effect than what we ultimately chose. Right. It allowed you to relax and say, okay, uh, I've seen this scene before. Exactly. And, and, and then, safe. Yes. Right. And then when the music was stripped out of this scene, something happened and suddenly you felt like you were there. Right. I think it you, just had you, to, you had to deal with it. You had to process yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is so much more tense without music. Oh, it's unquestionable. No and that, and that lasts through several scenes after this. Also too, it's like we, we, I think we went even deeper because at some point it was like, okay, I want to hear his clothes rustle. And we wanted to really like actually hear this guy's mm -hmm. death rattle. And it's, you know, it could be fairly morose and maudlin if it's, but I thought at the same time, it's like, do you love that line right there? It's like, you know, he's asking this guy, like, what is it? You know, what is the, what is the kind of the quintessence of your life in this moment? If you had something that you love, what do you want it to be? And how do you want to transition into whatever the end is, you know? But I never looked at this as depressing. I actually looked at it as kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. lovely and, and not hopeful, but, but peaceful. I would say this conversation is A, true, and B, summarizes so much of what I believe makes this movie great. Listen to the love and the care and emotion and thought that went into the decisions that they made, uh, as well as the attention to detail. So I was going to give this movie upwards of a 9 out of 10. However, I, I can't quite do that, and it's because of the soundtrack. The score itself is excellent. I really love pretty much every choice of music used, but the implementation of it is a bit choppy. And that's probably because of how they ended up having to edit this movie down to such so much, I guess, for to get under this like two hour time length that they ended with. I'm going to give them an 8.95 out of 10 for sound design. Moving on to my total enjoyment factor rating. The constant taunting from the wolves and their purposeful picking off of the group one at a time is great. It is incredibly thrilling and horrifying throughout. And I have to mention this somewhere, so here it is. At the end of the movie, I really enjoyed the gentle little pats that Liam gives each wallet as he sets each of them down to look at the next. At the end of the day, this movie had a lasting impact on me that not many movies do after, you know, after they finish. So based on that first viewing, I have to give this movie an eight and a half out of 10. Moving on to the writing, and let's begin with some more discussion about character. They did not ignore characterization, but well, for instance, one guy's character is a constant cough, which was well done, he isn't feeling well, and we know that. That's most of the death that we get for his character. He's the sick guy who will die from natural causes. I had notes saying good things about character and others saying bad things. I think what it is is that they did a great job of portraying the mental states of people, but other than that, it's mostly very surface level, or it gets built up at the last moment before someone dies, so we're supposed to care, and that's really not a great thing in terms of writing, that's kind of a almost a horror trope. There's a great use with levity in the movie, and it could be an incredibly heavy watch, but they inject just enough humor, and the humor is done well, and it's used at the right times, and it's also done with character-appropriate dialogue. I mean, these guys are oil drillers. You gotta remember that while watching the movie. The dialogue itself is a mixed bag, just as is the writing as a whole. Actually, here. 
It's just, it's just, and again, another scene that I felt was probably overwritten. I think that the director hit the nail on the head here as he talks about an issue of overwriting some scenes. And I agree, but he was left off of the hook by every other element of filmmaking that makes these longer, slower, overwritten moments end up working. But that doesn't get him off of the hook fully. He's obviously had a lot to say, and they did everything that they could to shrink that down, and they did an amazing job of shrinking that down. But it is an issue that I have. I can totally see it at work with some of the missing threads in the movie and some areas where the pacing of the movie is rather poor. And even more so than the pacing, I would say it's the tonal changes that are even more poor. You don't get this movie without the writing being better than not. So I am going to end up giving it a 5.9 out of 10. I tend to believe that every other aspect of the filmmaking process did prop up the writing flaws. And now let's look at what I would score this in comparison to movies that are of similar nature and similar genres. According to IMDb, The Grey is an action-adventure drama. I personally would add horror and the subgenre survival into that mix. I think it was a bit of a misstep to have action at the forefront of, at the very least, the advertising for this movie. But it is an action film as much as it is other things. And as a big action blockbuster type movie... It doesn't really hold up to, you know, some of the best big action adventure slash survival movies one would compare it to. Then if you look at it as a drama, there's a lack of characterization on the surface at the very least, which ultimately requires the viewer to get invested without having a whole lot of help. The tone of the movie takes a lot of twists and turns, evidenced by the fact that it's not until over half of the way into the movie that I am actually understanding what this movie wants to be. And now that I've had the opportunity to watch it a second time, that problem did not get resolved. There is a lot of wasted time for characterization in the early parts of the film. And like I just kind of alluded to, maybe it's not really a pacing issue in this movie because the first half hour really flies by. Maybe they should have focused more on some of Liam's internal struggles. Maybe that could have helped give the viewer more insight into what this movie wants to be more quickly. I'm not sure exactly how that is fixed in this two-hour version of this movie, though. I said it somewhere else, too. This is an instance where another 10 to 15 minutes would have been a good thing for the movie. Not gonna lie, I really struggled to come up with a number for this category because the movie falls into this weird gap in between, like, four to five different genres, and I think the audience's reaction to this movie are evidence to the lack of focus that this film ultimately portrayed, regardless of my thoughts on it. And for those reasons, I'm going to be a bit harsh here. 5.8 out of 10 when comparing it to all slash similar survival drama horror film. That's what I like to think the movie is, survival drama horror. It's a horrific tale that has a beautifully dramatic ending which ties everything up in a nice bow at the end. But the journey does suffer at times, and it tends to easily confuse the viewer because it's hard to find out exactly what you're supposed to be latching onto. Let's recap those scores. Each is out of 10. Acting, a 6.66. Cinematography, an 8. Production design, 7.15. Sound design, an 8.95. Enjoyment factor, I gave it an 8.5. Writing, a 5.9. And in comparison to similar genres, a 5.8. You take those, divide them by 7. We get a 7.28 on the dot, but then we're going to add that one bump for the editing and the official podcast score for the movie the gray is a 7.38 out of 10
I guess I should do an outro. Thank you for listening. Look forward to my walkthrough once you have seen the movie. I don't know. Goodbye? Question mark?